This is World to Win, bringing you the latest news and analysis from a socialist perspective. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of World to Win. Of course, you know the spiel by now. Please subscribe to our channel and also follow us on social media. And don't forget that we're also on every podcast platform uh, known to man. So also follow us on there. If you don't want to, you know, watch the video, you can always listen to us um, on there. So this episode is something that both me and Toya have been looking forward to so much. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, we, we, we've had episodes before about kind of uh, LGBTQ plus rights, but now we're going to focus specifically on I think one of the most talked about issues uh, uh, to do with the gay community, which is trans rights. And it's quite topical uh, with uh, the International Transgender Day of Remembrance uh, that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I think one of the most disgusting stats that uh, came out of that day was that it was the most violent year for trans people. And it seems like every year is becoming the most violent year for trans people. So it's really important that we talk about this uh, uh, today. So I want to say, first of all, hello to Toya. How are you doing? I'm good, Yara. Pardon my work attire. I just got off work, but I was too excited to even take time to shower to ha- talk to you about this with this episode today. We've been chatting, me and you, about what's going on. Um, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but we've been chatting for so long about this. So I'm really excited for today's episode. Yeah, and I feel like it's exactly the right time to talk about this because there's so much going on, I think, in popular culture as well about trans rights and a lot of transphobia kind of bubbling underneath the surface. So I'm really looking forward to hear um, kind of opposition on that, but also kind of just have a chat about how horrendous it's been for trans people uh, in the last few years. So in order to do that, we've got our guests for uh, today. Uh, so we're going to say hello to Marie from the US section of Social of International Socialist Alternative. How are you doing, Marie? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. I, I watch the show every week. We love it. I think I think in the last few weeks we've had a few uh, few people who said that, and I'm so excited to always like uh, get the messages after of being like, oh my god, uh, it's so great to see it and stuff like that. So it's really good. So I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what you've been doing this week as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been in, um, for like the past um, um, uh, couple months, I've actually been in Europe, which is really exciting. I'm from New York, but uh, I came out here for, you guys have already talked about COP26 on the show a lot because I saw it, but uh, I came out here for that. We had, you know, this huge mobilization of like, you know, 300 members of our organization along with just like 100,000 other people out there, like really like fighting for, um, you know, what the next steps are for the climate movement. Um, and it's been exciting. I've gotten to spend a lot of time in Scotland because obviously, you know, we don't just like go to protests like that just to like, you know, pressure release valve and then we go home, right? Like we're constantly trying to figure out like what are the next steps for organizing um, these movements. And so I've gotten to do like a little bit of aftermath of like um, really meeting with people uh, in Scotland who we met through COP26 and like figuring out what the next steps are for for organizing and like spreading socialist ideas uh, um, all over the UK and all over the world. That's awesome, Marie. So jealous the two of you got to go to the to the COP26 mobilization, but glad to have you back in the U.S. Um, but let's get started. So before we kind of get into, you know, uh, you know, this huge encompassing topic, um, you know, maybe a lot of people aren't aware 
um, of some of the things that Yara was saying about, you know, statistics showing the alarming increase in violence against trans people, against intersex people, against gender non-conforming people, um, you know, on a global level. So can you talk, Marie, a little bit about what you think is causing this to be such a crisis? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's kind of horrifying in a way, right? Because like what, I mean, they, they had these reports like listed about like, you know, what ER was saying like what a, just a deadly year it was for trans people. And this isn't like something that's like isolated to one country, right? There are certain like areas of the world where it's like, m like more sharply seen, um, like specifically in Brazil, I think like 33% or some like horrifying statistic of of trans murders happen there specifically. There are, there's this like mass increase of like, um, hate crimes of violence of literally like murder of trans people like all over all over the world um, in some places it's a bit more sharply seen um, but I think like what you're seeing right now in a lot of weird ways it's kind of it's like kind of a weird contradiction because at the same time you know in some places like this is one of the best times actually to be out as a trans person like in in historical memory right like there's more acceptance there's more you can go out and get medical care that you need right you can go out and like you know people like understand what being trans is in a way that like hasn't been seen before and at the same time we're actually seeing like the most violence on record and not just like violence um, but we're also seeing like you know in a lot of countries like really sharp like anti-trans legislation um, you're seeing like crackdowns in China around like celebrities that are even like slightly like gender variant for example like it's not even just limited to like explicitly trans people we're seeing like uh, there's this really sharp polarization in society and on the one hand we're seeing like a world where like where people uh have more space to be freer than they ever had and on the other hand you're seeing like this really like serious right-wing reaction where people are really trying to like stir up um i think a lot of the like the the like reactionary ideas in society that are against like uh you know lgbt identities like homophobia transphobia um, you see this a lot throughout the U.S. where you see these like right wing politicians who really come in and like try and polarize the issue. Right. That like trans people are these people who are like invading our bathrooms or invading our sports teams. Right. Often these are attacks against like youth, for example, um, and like really sharply also against like trans. That's like the saddest thing to me is the bathroom issue. Like, Yara, yeah. I don't know if you guys have this in the U.K., but like in many school districts in the U.S., there's like a battle for trans children to be able to use the bathroom that they want to use. And it's, I mean, it's insane. Like I, I saw this great TikTok today, actually, that was talking about it. And it's like the idiocracy about the bathroom. Um, and the person was like, everyone at your house uses the same bathroom. So why do you care which bathroom you use at school? And it was just like a perfect, like simplified way to say how ridiculous it is. But Marie, like, why are we seeing this when we have a new administration come in that says that, you know, uh, society is going to be safer um, uh, for trans people, for non-binary people? Why are we seeing these sort of reactionary bills saying, you know, uh, trans kids can't play sports and they can't use the bathroom? Like, what's that about? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that ties really heavily into that kind of like um, political polarization I was talking about, right? Because that, the, the new administration, right, the, we've had a year now of, of, the, of the Democrat in the U.S. of like this like Democratic majority that like supposedly, you know, a year and a half ago when we were voting for like a new president, people had said like, oh, if we like usher in like a Biden administration, right, this is gonna be a much safer place for trans people. But really, it's only gotten worse in the past year, right? And I think so yeah, I think like what 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 the Biden administration was able to do is like reverse some of like the most like low hanging fruit of like like super reactionary policy. You know, like some some things in the last administration, for example, had like gone 
to like um uh uh like um changing like rules around like whether or not trans people can be like discriminated against in like a doctor's appointment right some like just blatantly like 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 horrifying things but at the end of the day like what the what the democratic administration isn't able to put forward really is like serious systemic changes that actually fit like where these attacks are like most sharply expressed, which is around like questions of like access to healthcare, which is around questions about like access to, to, to affordable housing, right? Which is something that trans people and like queer people generally are so often like completely excluded from being able to access. Yeah, and you know, like in the UK, even though there is a nationalized healthcare system, there's still incredibly long queues to do anything to do with gender services uh, and even you know the services that do exist even if you can only reach them two years after you've applied uh, they're going through endless litigation and um, kind of like court battles with the far right uh, with like lawyers who are also opposing abortion uh, trying to pretend like you know, the like the, the very few cases of people who regret taking hormones or anything like that uh, should stop access to healthcare for trans people. And there's this notion that, you know, I think also exists, like you said, it's not, it's not just the far right that's opposing it. It's, uh, uh, you know, even the most kind of like semi-liberal figures like, you know, JK Rowling uh, are talking about, uh, like are, are talking about trans issues like they're kind of like in opposition to women's rights um and there's this kind of notion that you know uh trans people are trying to you know make all children trans and like are giving them hormones in secret and things like that which is ridiculous because it's so difficult to even start this process in the first place even when it is accessible that it ends up not being accessible but i was wondering what you thought about kind of this whole wave of toughs or like liberals who you know maybe uh should uh, in kind of like if you if you look at logic should support um trans rights but end up saying that uh you know these are fake women who are only there to rape women what would you what do you think about that I think I think it's absolutely disgusting like <clears throat> I mean yeah there's like this whole idea about like the trans agenda right like what transgender people are like are trying to do like invade women's spaces right and it's this weird it's this sort of like weird thing that happens where like these figures it's like clearly a reactionary movement right it's not it's a completely divisive movement that i think completely points away from like the the sort of things that like not only would help trans people but it also would help cis women as well right like access to access like things like access to medical care like when we talk about things like you know there's a lot of this idea about like trans women are going to invade women's spaces like you see this conversation sometimes around like women's shelters for example as if like these are like i think it, i think where it points away from is this idea that like these are like resources that are like these like scarce things because they have been in certain ways and like it sort of appeals to that sort of sense of like scarcity where it's like we need to protect these things like these are being invaded it like it like calls on these like really serious concerns that people have who may have been like sexually assaulted right where like uh, people want to defend these things, but unfortunately, like it, it masks this really reactionary, like prejudiced um, sort of worldview around the language of like around like woke language, right? It sounds like feminism, like it sounds like oh, we're defending the rights of women, right? But on the other hand, like I, I, I just think what it, I, I think that it points away from like why, like I don't like why is the conversation like around 
um uh defending like what little like space we have when we could have like this when we could have this like serious like solidarity between cis women between queer people between people uh, all sorts of people about like about like expanding these services right a massive expansion of these services that would benefit all people but um i think the point that you're making now is like is super important and i think it's also like really connecting to another huge kind of outrage happened recently with uh, Dave Chappelle's Netflix special and I actually just watched it just for the purpose of this episode and there's an outrageous point there that he's making saying that uh, the fight basically kind of alluding to a point that the fight against um, kind of trans people is in the interests of black people and he's saying that um, that being trans is like doing blackface which obviously is outrageous but i think what you're saying here is exactly the answer to all of these horrendous claims that and and, and i'm going to call them jokes but they're not funny even if they weren't offensive um about kind of like how like the solidarity that needs to exist between all of the oppressed groups is instead utilized in order to separate us even more I'm glad that you finally seen the the Chappelle special, Yara, because when I saw it, I was actually, I was sitting in a room with a group of friends um, and we were black women and many of us queer. And it was very interesting to see the range of um, reaction to the different types of jokes um, and like, it, it, it was interesting to me to see even the divisions within that group of people on like what it's okay to laugh at, um, you know, even within the queer community. Um, and it, yeah, it was actually kind of heartbreaking, but the, 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 the Chappelle special, I think is just a, a, a perfect example of how um, different oppressions um, are acceptable to, you know, uh, make jokes of until we actually build a movement to fight back against that because there was a time where they did do things like blackface. And that comparison is ridiculous because why did they do blackface? It was because they refused to hire black actors, you know, like that's why they did blackface. Um, but there was a movement um, to fight back against racism and that is exactly what we need to fight back um, against transphobia and against homophobia. And some um, people who work at Netflix were attempting to do that. Did you guys hear about the, the walkout that happened a, a couple months ago? Yeah, that was that was an incredible moment. I think I honestly, to be honest with you, I haven't even seen the Dave Chappelle special. I've seen I've seen his like, OK, great. I've seen his past stuff um, and it hasn't been good. And I think what was really exciting about like the, the Netflix walkout, because I did I was I was glued to that. Right. Is like. Yeah, it wasn't even just like it wasn't even just in reaction to like these terrible jokes you were making, which was a huge issue to begin with, right? But you had like trans like people that worked at Netflix like tweeting about like their their discomfort with the kind of ideas that Netflix was like promoting and profiting off of, um, and Netflix actually suspended them for like standing up for their own like their own like having like some amount of self respect and being able to like broadcast that. Um, and I think what's so good, I think like the the what the Netflix like walkout points to, I think, is the sort of action that we need to really like see serious changes on these fronts. I think it's like really like in a lot of ways, it's so 
it's this idea that we're seeing in a lot of ways, like through this massive strike wave that's happening, right? Where I think people are really starting to understand like what a powerful tool like withholding our own labor can be. And like the fact that this is being tied, I think, to like questions of oppression, to questions of prejudice, to questions of like fucking disgust, sorry, excuse me, to questions of like these disgusting, like, um, you know, jokes, which I've heard like aren't even like particularly jokes, like saying like, oh, I'm on team turf, right? Marie, so many of my coworkers, when I was talking to them about the Chappelle show, they asked me what that means because, you know, the word feminist is in that. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what the term TERF actually means? What it, it's like an acronym. So it stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist, um, which is this idea that like you can be radical or a feminist um, and not be for the rights of trans people. I think that, you know, this is especially an issue in like the UK, for example, um, like we were talking about, I literally, when I was campaigning in Glasgow around like the, the 25th of November, the International Day against, you know, violence against, um, violence against women, uh, I had, you know, somebody told us that like, you can't be a socialist, you can't call yourself a socialist and also support trans rights, which is just this absurd <laughs> idea that like, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's completely it's completely wild and completely counter to like the kind of like the kind of movement that a socialist so, supposed socialist should be wanting to build. Uh, but there's this idea that somehow like trans people trying to like assert themselves um, runs counter to like the rights of women. That somehow like if we extend this ability of people to be able to say who they are like as a person, to be able to really say who you are and live your life the way that like the way that you want to live your life and the way that makes you the most comfortable and like makes you like the safest and happiest that you can possibly be that somehow that is infringing on like the gains that like or the struggles or the fights that like cis women have been through throughout history as if these things are in any way like you know opposed to each other which they're really not at all i mean as i've already said like the, the, these these are completely interlinked issues right the 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 source of transphobia and the source of misogyny are like you know historically like intertwined you can't separate these things yeah i think i think that's like really i think especially when we're talking about kind of the walkouts and all of that i think an impressive part of these walkouts and i think it's also something that we're seeing across the board now of workers showing solidarity with each other i think one of the most impressive parts about the walkouts was that it wasn't just trans workers coming out it was loads and loads of workers coming out in solidarity and that's exactly the kind of solidarity that we need you know like compared to the kind of like semi-solidarity in semi-woke language that Chappelle was talking uh saying that you know uh black people uh look at trans people and say well uh, they haven't suffered as much as we did uh instead of that going out together and fighting together for everyone's rights is so important. And I think that when we talk about kind of walkouts and when you talk about kind of like movements to fight back, and interestingly enough, Dave Chappelle actually mentions this, like mentions Stonewall as like the, the type of gay that he likes, which is obviously outrageous. But I think it's so ingrained, even in the mainstream, even in people like Dave Chappelle, that Stonewall was a heroic movement. So I was wondering if you can, like explain first of all what is kind of like Stonewall in the first place but also why does it speak to people so deeply even today decades after it yeah first of all I didn't I didn't know that he said that I think that's really disgusting I think especially when you like when you see how like um uh like 
like these attacks on trans people so disproportionately also affect trans people of color. Um, and I think also discussing like the, these aren't separate questions, not that we should ever play the sort of like oppression Olympic thing, but these aren't separate questions. Right. Like and I think looking back at Stonewall, what Stonewall was right, was this this huge rebellion that launched in New York City in like the late 60s, primarily led again by queer people of color um, uh, uh, against this like stateless like, uh, you know, it, it was this um, moment that took place. Um, in a gay bar um, in New York City, one of the few places where, you know, LGBT people could go to, like, be a part of the community, to, like, um, to, to, to be with other LGBT people. Um, but at the same time, they frequently have these, like, police raids, because a lot of gay bars at the time were, like, run by the mafia, essentially. So, you know, once a month, like, the police would call and line everybody up, like, harass people, like, make people uncomfortable, like, uh, assault people, arrest people. Um, and then there was this moment in 1969 where people were like no longer like going to sit here and like accept their own like repression, right? They were no longer just gonna allow this to happen. There was this huge uprising where people came from all over the city um, to stand up against the, these uh, these arrests that were happening of, uh, of 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 LGBT people at at the Stonewall Inn uh, in the West Village, um, and it was just this massive catalyst for uh, just a whole wave beyond that of radical organizing. Uh, for queer rights. I mean, it was really like, it wasn't the first like iteration of the queer movement by any means. This is something that's been happening for a long time, right? But like when we think about like what, when we talk about like pride, for example, right? Like pride itself like has its origin in in Stonewall, right? You, prior to prior to the Stonewall Rebellion, there were about like 50 or so like LGBT rights groups like a year after Stonewall, according to like a participant or, or, or according to like an early like, you know, LGBT activist, there were 1500 LGBT rights groups. Like people were, people seized on this moment to like really organize for uh, queer rights and to really like bring out these like massive radical marches that like even brought out like serious, like explicitly like anti-capitalist demands um, calling for a better world and calling for the advancement of rights of LGBT people. What are though, like when you say anti-capitalist demands in regards to queer liberation, like what does that mean specifically? And you know, you're, you said like there were, you know, 50 some odd, uh, organizations back then, um, which is amazing. And, you know, we don't see that today, but do we still see that anti-capitalist edge in the queer liberation movement? Yeah, so I mean, to talk about the the like an, like radical like anti-capitalist ideas that were happening at that time, right? I think what really distinguished Stonewall like from the things that happened before it, and what what what, what distinguishes the movement that followed it, right, is the fact that it was happening at the it was happening like in the wake of like the civil rights movement of like of like these massive like revolutionary movements internationally. Um, and uh, immediately after that, like the the entire like consciousness that had developed around all these different movements, um, um, really fighting against oppression, fighting against the system, fighting against uh, fighting for like the advancement of like the working class. Um, you know, it's you can't really like separate like cleanly the issues, right? Like the like one of the organizations that sort of developed following the Stonewall Rebellion, the Gay Liberation Front, um, was like a huge organization that like organized for LGBT rights in the US. There was also a, a, a gay liberation front um, in the UK, for example, that actually like was founded because like the founding members had like met other LGBT activists in the US following Stonewall at like a Black Panther um, uh, conventional like con like conference or something like that. So like this, these are like these like, uh, 
you know, these, like, serious struggles against, like, oppression, like, we're all interlinked at the time. Yeah, and so, like, the entire, like, uh, consciousness around this came around to, like, this huge uprising that, like, we could no longer accept. It, it came down, like, the question of, like, whether or not we should be allowed to exist in the in society, like, as LGBT people ultimately came down to a question also of, like, what kind of society we want to be living under to begin with. And, you know, I think the, the, the points that you're making about kind of the, con- the historical context and the fact that it was during the civil rights movement and all of that, I think is really important because it seems like on the one hand, people like Dave Chappelle try to separate black people from trans people, forgetting that there's also a lot of trans people of color. Uh, but then you have the other side, the JK Rowling's, who are kind of trying to separate trans people from the rest of the gay community or trans people from women, forgetting that, you know, it was only a few decades ago where the same arguments that they're using against trans people were used against gay people saying, you know, the gays are trying to convert uh, children and all of that and the danger about uh, about the gay community. And I think that that's kind of like one of these things that these reactionaries are just repeating the same arguments over and over and over again. Um, but at the end of the day, we are seeing that the history of trans rights and the queer community generally is a history of radical struggle. And I was wondering, and, and like you said, it was also like not just radical, you know, organization against oppression, but also recognizing the connection between capitalism and gender-based oppression and, you know, uh, oppression uh, based on sexuality as well. So. Do you think that this exists in the movement today as well? Or have we moved beyond that and now we're just looking for, you know, rainbow capitalism? I mean, there's a there's a huge movement right now against rainbow capitalism, I think. I mean, there's a, there's absolutely, I mean, you know, and it's not as if, like, this is ancient history. Like, certainly there are activists that were a part of these movements that, that, that are still active today. But also, like, there's an entirely new generation, I think, of LGBT activists that really want to reclaim, like, the radical memory of of the origins of pride right um and uh for example in new york city you know for so long like what what started out as like the christopher street liberation day parade what became like the the early like pride marches that were these like big radical like marches um you know over time got overtaken by like corporate interests like there are these bank floats like if i wanted to as like a working class queer person you know at the time i was working at starbucks like when i first came out if i wanted to be a part of like the pride march I had to essentially like sign up to like march with Starbucks at like Pride, right? It was it was no longer like what it had started out to be. Um, but I think there's this really like healthy movement happening right now where, for example, the past few years in New York City, there's been the um, Queer Liberation March. Um, and uh, last year, actually, during the BLM uh, uh, movement um, that, that, you know, had like gripped the world at the time, um, they actually organized the Queer Liberation March to be specifically like the Queer Liberation March for Black Lives and against police brutality, right? So you do see this today, that there is this this important impulse to like want or like revisit these traditions. I think I think specifically like what needs to be debated out within our movements is exactly like what like what are the demands that we're fighting for and also like what like like there's this there's what what is missing i think from this is this like explicitly socialist con like consciousness like this explicitly like socialist like wing of the movement um that wants to like really address where the roots of transphobia misogyny racism are um how you know how they're rooted in our class society and like what exactly is like the direction that this movement needs to go to overcome these things 
Well, and that's what I'm always like telling people when we're talking about um, uh, how we can fight for a better society is like the inherent connection that we all have, regardless of what community that we're in. I mean, like something that, you know, uh, is a big issue, especially in the U.S. for trans people is access to health care because like it's so incredibly expensive. But like as a cisgendered person, I would benefit from access to healthcare. And so why would we not join up together to fight for healthcare for all? Um, you know, we don't want to just fight for healthcare for one section of society. We want it for everyone. Um, you know, you could take that with, with housing discrimination. You could take that with job discrimination, which I mean, in the U.S. and many states, it's still legal for employers and landlords to discriminate based on sexuality, et cetera, um, which is just crazy to think about. Um, but you know, what do you think, Marie, when it comes to cisgendered people or non-trans people, um, what role uh, do they have to play in the fight for queer liberation? Yeah, I've, I think that's a really good question. I think that I think that everybody, I think that all working people, all oppressed people have like a really serious, as you're saying, like a really serious role to play um, in like just the interlinked nature of like all of our struggles. Right. Because honestly, as like you all know, Toya, like we live in a society like the capitalist system, which, you know, thrives on this like divide and conquer strategy of working people that like wants us to think that we're like more different than 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 we actually are, that like our our struggles aren't connected, that like the same demands that like would help the lives of of trans people wouldn't help the lives of every single person. Right full access to like trans trans uh, inclusive Medicare for all, right? Um, affordable public housing, like that's, you know, permanently affordable, high quality, right? These are like important demands that I think um, can be taken up that like, uh, that benefit all people. So all people, like the thing is all people can move into this action. The thing is, I feel like in order to actually affect serious change, what I think is like a positive thing about that, like Netflix example that we talked about earlier is like how much like the working class as an organized force could have like a serious impact on like actually achieving some of these things. And I think in order to like kind of heal those divisions, right? This idea that like these are separate struggles, right? I think in a lot of ways, like the role that like all working people can play is like in fighting for these like serious like democratic organizations where we can like talk about like what the path is forward, like what are the demands we're fighting for and use those to seriously like take up like explicitly the demands of queer people, the, the, the issues that like will positively like impact the lives of queer people in order to like unite these struggles and like bring these into something that can actually like, like change, literally change society, I think. But in order to do that, that's a huge task, right? We need everybody on the same page. Yeah, and at the end of the day, what you're saying, like what you said before is exactly that. Like the origin of, of the oppression of queer people is the same root of the oppression of women. And in, in a slightly more distant way, also the root of the oppression are based on race or ethnicity and based on class. So if, it, if the root is the same, then we have to fight together because we also, it's not just the method is what's the, like, is, is the way to dismantle it, but also it's in everyone's interest to fight against the system because our oppression, no matter what kind of oppression it is, no matter what kind of exploitation it is, comes down to the capitalist system. It comes down to like, the way that like, the, this, the class system had to kind of put limits and repress 
and regulate our sexuality so that there wouldn't be just random babies flowing around and they would know who to put inheritance forward to. And that's also connected to the way that gender is completely separate, separated. Not just the way that women are oppressed, but also the way that, um, you know, marriage is supposed to be a very sun thing of man and woman and gender ha it has to be binary and all of that is connected to the origin of class society so it, it, it's kind of like very logical that we would not just fight together because that's the way to break the system but also because the system oppresses all of us based on it yeah a hundred percent like that that's exactly i mean that and that's exactly like what the power of like uniting like for these like immediate battles right sort of like points towards right is because i think once like once once we like understand our collective power once we've like once we've like started to organize under these like under these like um uh organizations of like the working class and the oppressed to like actually seriously like try and fight to overcome these things i think what we can point towards is is a, is an overcoming of like the very like foundation of like this like horrible system that is like that, that like leads to transphobic violence right that leads to all the things that you're saying right um uh and i think ultimately what we need to usher in is like uh you know a socialist society one that's not like based on like profit one that's not based on inequality right and only through doing that can we really like permanently like stop these like defensive battles right against like against like you know just defending our livelihood and like actually like fight for a society where like people can thrive Right. Where like the question is no longer like, how do I like, is it safe for me to like walk down the street as a trans person and like go to the store where the question where I can live like a fully like, 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 like a life full of like self-respect and like dignity um, uh, in a society where I don't have to worry about like, um, you know, rising rent costs, where I don't have to worry about like how I'm going to make my next paycheck, where I don't have to worry about like how I'm going to afford my hormones at the end of the month. Right. And these, this is the, this is the sort of society that I think like the masses of organized like working people, poor and oppressed, can like usher in um, uh, through our like own you know uh, uh, shared struggle. Yeah, Marie, I think a lot of people actually don't realize what you were just explaining. Like when we're talking about the need to fight for trans rights, it's because the problems of capitalism and the problems of our society are exacerbated. Um, you know, like. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, access to healthcare. I've heard stories of people being denied healthcare because of being trans, um, you know, uh, uh, hormones, like you're talking about being able to afford them, but even like rising rents. Okay. So rents, uh, you know, rise like crazy, which causes homelessness. Homelessness for trans people is very dangerous. And like we were mentioning before, if we, if we say that uh, uh, trans women can't go to a woman's shelter, well, then what are they to do? You know, it's like the, the, the problems of our society are more exacerbated. Or as you mentioned, is it safe for me to walk down the street? Like, um, uh, uh, because of the, the, the violence against trans people. Um, so like, you know, society is always changing, right? We are, we, we talked a little bit today about how, um, uh, working class organizations uh, help us to push demands forward. Uh, building a movement is how we really can uh, build change, not just like uh, Yara said, the term rainbow capitalism, which, you know, some of those demands of the Netflix uh, walkouts were kind of part of rainbow capitalism, right? Like some of the demands were like more trans executives, right? Like, okay, cool. 
that's great for those people, but that's not helping the overwhelming majority of people. Um, we do need to uh, build working class organizations like, you know, we talk about every week to fight uh, for demands to build movements so that we can win real change to ultimately fight against capitalism. Um, but, you know, there is still a lot of hate out there from 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 individuals. Um, what what can we do about that? Is that just inherent? Like how how are we going to be able to make an actual safe world for all oppressed people, um, you know, through fighting for these demands? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think that like these I don't think that these like these like transphobic ideas are in any way inherent to society. Right. Of course, I mean, you you have like individuals who hate, you know, trans people. Right. But the fact is, is I mean, this, these ideas are like the the like the like way that like 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 especially the right wing like really tries to capitalize on like issues of transphobia or like issues of homophobia for example i think is really seriously baked into our system um and the fact is is throughout history like there's this like idea that like these things have moved in a straight line like the fact is they haven't there have been like ebbs and flows and like how people like understand trans people if you look at like berlin and like the very, very early 1900s, right? A time when I think a lot of people think like, you know, trans people didn't exist back then. Like, you'll hear that. Like, there was a thriving trans community and like an institute um, that actually like did a ton of like medical research on trans people or like for the benefit of trans people. Um, and that was wiped out obviously by like, you know, the Nazi party coming to power, this like far right party that like, again, like you see today, like wanted to like whip out this serious wave of reaction in order to capitalize on that. And like, and, and, you know, trans people were like one of the groups that they took that out on. Um, and the fact is, is like by ushering in the new society where like, um, I think we're like these, um, <clears throat> I think by creating like a society based on like shared solidarity between working people and the oppressed, we're like, we're like, uh, the the basis in our society for these like right-wing forces to really take hold right these like individual ideas about like i'm uncomfortable with these people can't can't be like used in the same way to develop into this like organized force of reaction we can just uh, we can we can work to eliminate the basis for that to to develop to begin with i really like this example and i think that you know it is something that keeps repeating that like trans is a new thing but it's not and it's not just not a new thing, it's something that's existed forever. And if we do want to talk about, you know, uh, people of color and different cultures than uh, European culture, a, a lot of cultures have those like ideas of non-binary genders ingrained in their culture as well. So pretending like it's a thing of the last few decades and, you know, other types of oppression are older, so we should put more emphasis on them, is just, it has no basis in reality. And I really, really agree with what you're saying about kind of the cases, of, because I think it's, 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 what is a natural human thing is to, you know, maybe feel a bit uncomfortable about things that you haven't encountered before. But the the fact but it's not like there's an inherent fear of trans people it's just because our society forces trans people to hide uh the way that they feel and to feel bad about themselves as well uh, and that's what our society is doing about every single kind of group of oppressed people to separate them and to to kind of make them uh outsiders 
uh, so that there will be this kind of divide and rule that will stop us from coming in solidarity together and fighting against the system that divides us in the first place. So I think that's really, really true. And I, I really enjoy this episode as well. Like, obviously, uh, I wanted to record it for a really long time and Toya did too, but I think this was really, really fascinating. And I also really enjoyed having this conversation uh, uh, generally. So thank you so much for being here, Marie. And I'm sure that, you know, this episode is going to be so helpful because the trans movement is growing. And every year we're seeing more and more kind of protests and more kind of movements growing around the world around it. So I think this episode is going to help us uh, kind of, first, first of all, put our ideas forward, but also intervene in these movements and be kind of knowledgeable about what we're talking about. So thank you so much for being here and uh, uh, really hope to see you again on an episode soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a really good conversation. This is World to Win. Every Sunday, we broadcast with speakers from across the globe, bringing you the latest news and analysis on the fast-moving global events from a socialist perspective. Subscribe to the International Socialist Alternatives YouTube page and click the bell to get notified when we go live for a new episode. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram because there's a lot to do and we have a world to win. When they fight! When they fight! When they fight! Solidarity! 